Sometimes we feel paralyzed by fear and body hatred. In order to feel better about ourselves and live the life we really want to manifest, we have to own up to our difficult feelings and self-sabotaging thoughts and behaviors. We all enter this world naked, and now it's time to feel good naked. No matter what your body size or your life circumstances, this is Feel Good Naked Radio, and your host is Lar Redmond. On this program, Lar will help you become more embodied, self-empowered, and mindful to take charge of whom you really are and to live the life you deserve to live. Now, here's your host, Laura Redmond. Hello and welcome back to Feel Good Naked Radio. I am your host, Laura Redmond, and I am here with you today with the so popular Penny Pierce, who I'm going to introduce in just a sec. But all of your emails and your feedback about our other two shows that are on this network have been so unbelievably powerful and optimistic and everybody keep you know wants more I want more with Penny Pierce I hear this so much so I have her back today and um, well if you don't know who Penny is go back listen to show one and two and if you're listening today for the first time Penny Pierce is an articulate and accurate clairvoyant who is also an empath a visionary an author and a popular lecturer she is a trainer specializing in intuition development inner energy dynamics, expanded perception, and transformation. She works throughout the United States, Japan, South Africa, and Europe. Penny coaches business and government leaders, psychologists, scientists, celebrities, and those on a spiritual path about the hidden dynamics of what makes for true success. She is the author of 10 books, including Leap of Perception, Frequency, and the intuitive way. And quite frankly, I don't think we've ever needed her guidance more than we do right this second in the world. So what an honor to have you back, Penny Pierce. Welcome. <laughs> it's, it's my pleasure, too, because I love talking with you. You know, it's funny, our shows, or it's interesting, the two shows we did, I've had listened to them both at least six times, and I get something different each time I listen out of our communication. And I really want you to know that one of the most powerful things you offered that has been with me ever since we last spoke was checking in with my own linear thinking versus my spherical thinking and really noting which one is in command and which one is driving the bus. And I really have come to see that my linear brain, which you identified when we were talking, is doing way too much of the driving. And the more, yes. <laughs> the more I can drop into that spherical space and that soulful guidance, I am much more peaceful, trusting, and embodied. So I just want to thank you for that right off the bat. Well, thanks. I, I like the way you said that, the spherical space. Um, I think of it as, you know, the, the, basically, you know, the left brain is the one that causes us to think in a linear way, you know, where we have past present, future, and beginning, middle, end, and cause and effect thinking and all of that, which is our normal way of knowing reality. But the spherical way is where you're in the center of a ball, right? And that ball is your reality, and you never leave the center. The ball changes size, and it includes or doesn't include things depending on what focus you take. So, But when you're in that spherical space, you can feel yourself. You're centered. You, you, you don't lose touch with yourself. 
you know, and, and it's much more empowering than also everything's inside the ball with you and there's no outside world. Because if you think of a new thing, it's not outside you. The ball has expanded to include it. Mm-hmm. So it's like this real different way of knowing the world and it makes your reality shift. That's what I think is so fascinating about these times that we're living in, you know, because we're right in the middle of this, but we're not quite aware of what's happening to us right now. Exactly. That that is that is so definitely how it feels. I mean, it's I've heard it said another way from experts in the field of soul work who have said that we're human beings having or we're soulful beings having a human experience. Yes. And that's another way that I've contemplated what I allow in, what I want to work with, and how I want to proceed. Because right now, it is a crucial moment in the the art of frequency, how to be living our lives from that spherical space and not getting hooked or triggered or reactive. Um, mm-hmm. That's really feeling prevalent to me at the moment. And I wanted to just ask you, what some of the bottom of the bucket issues are that I'm really feeling spherically and that I sense we're all heading these days? Yeah, I think that first you have to understand that when you're in left brain and linear perception, it causes us to perceive the world with um, when you're seeing things linearly. It's like, here's me, there's my goal out ahead of me with this empty space in between, or here's me and there's you over there in whatever state you're living in, (laughs) you know, and we've got this big empty space between us that we have to cross that space. We have to connect. We have to use willpower to make it all stay together and know about things and memorize things and maintain realities so that a lot of willpower gets used. And um, I think that it also then causes us to feel separated, you know, that you're over there, I'm over here, and nothing in between. But when you're in a spherical reality, you're inside my ball, you know, and I'm inside your ball. So there's like mutual inclusion. We're all energy patterns inside energy patterns, sharing common space. So in a certain way, it gives us an experience that everything does actually know about everything else in a maybe a slightly higher consciousness way. Um, but it's all so interconnected that you can't be alone. You can't disconnect. Everything's working together. And you get a lot of new values that come out of that, that way of looking. So we're in the process of transferring out of that linear, separated, fear-based way of thinking. And, you know, separation creates fear. Into the spherical, which is much more about unity. Everything's connected, and therefore it's friendly. You know, everything is, you know, familiar. Um, so when you get to the issues that are tripping us up, it's partly because as we start to shift out of the linear way of thinking and being, it's like we're very, I would call it, tied into a, a habit of thinking that the left brain is us. That's where we get ego. You know, when, when you get in the left brain so much that you identify with it, and it's separation, and it's, you know, um, almost negativity often as well, because the left brain is the guardian, doesn't want to have any change, doesn't want you to be in danger. And uh, so it keeps you from doing many things. 
as you move into the spherical or the right brain perception or intuitive perception, um, you have to face those things that you thought were so bad. I'm finally getting to the point here. <laughs> but, um, uh, and, and there's where we get to the bottom of the bucket stuff because we're facing things that we've suppressed and didn't want to look at for probably lifetimes. And uh, a lot of it's coming up now. It's like Pandora's box has opened. And all this stuff that we didn't want to look at is now floating around in the air. You know, it's, it's available to everyone. It's on the news. I mean, look at politics. My goodness. I mean, it, you couldn't have a better example of narcissistic, egotistical, um, controlling behavior, which is the last gasp of ego death. You know, it's like before the ego actually lets go of thinking it's in control and turning the reins over to the soul and the right mm. brain, it mm. fights like crazy to stay in control, mm. you know, and that's why we're seeing all of, I think, what's happening now. It's part of a natural process. So would you say that the spherical soul self is non-triggerable and non-reactive and not based in any sort of duality? Yes, I would. And, and, and yet, at the same time, while you're in the physical world, we're based on oscillation and duality. You know? So we will, have, um, we will take sides, bop to the other side, jump back to the other side. You know, we'll, find, we'll connect polarities up to find unity. That's just the way it is here on Earth. Mm. But as the more spherical we get or the more soul-based, the more we feel that we are the soul in the body. You know, usually in the linear reality, we have a soul. It's out there somewhere in the heavens. It's looking over us like a helicopter, you know. (laughs) But in the spherical reality, that point in the very center of the sphere is like a little white hole where the soul pours out and Mm. fills up the ball. It creates the reality. So this is the kind of the thing we're getting right now is, hey, I am the soul right now, right here. You know, I'm it. I'm making this life. So how am I making this life? Do I want to, you know, have pain and suffering and upset and contraction and no energy flow and health problems? Or or do I want to open up and let the energy show me what it wants to do and trust it? And go with that flow, you know, and trust that not only my soul is filling up my sphere, but everyone's souls are working together to fill up everyone's spheres. We are co-creating, you know, in, from that higher level. So, okay. yeah, but let's, it's but, all evolutionary is what I wanted to say. So, but let's say that, like, that's the perfect idea that I would like to exist in every day of my life. And let's say that while I'm alone in my meditation and in my own spiritual work, I just get deeply in touch with what you just described. I feel it in my cells. I feel it in my breath. I feel it in my body. I am very much one with spherical lar. Now I go out into the world or I am attempting a relationship that's either intimate or platonic. And now that part of my being starts to feel less and less present. And and maybe that's my ego that's coming into the story, and I'm not able to then stay with that place that I can get to 
alone in this incarnation. I mean, I live there when I'm by myself often. But then when I'm up against other or relationally, and and, and I feel this sort of, um, well, it kind of reminds me of what you wrote in your profoundly, beautifully written 2017 letter. Like, as long as I can feel this sense of going into... I keep saying it's called trigger for me, but it's almost the sense of I am getting pulled back into my regrets or my... Um, I call it backsliding now a little bit. <laughs> okay, perfect. So backsliding. You know? How yeah. do I then get back to spherical? Because it is in relationship that I feel the loss of that potency and I need some help with that. I want you mm-hmm. to guide us all with that. Okay, let's just share the ideas that are popping into my head. Um, one thing... Um, when you're when you're in a spherical reality, and you might even do this in a meditation, is to imagine the other people in the world are in the ball with you, their and and their personalities and their um, craziness or their fear. You know, everybody's at a different level of a, the balance of love and fear. You know, we're all a certain mix of it, but we're hopefully becoming more loving and less fearful. Um, but so let the people be in there anyway. And then when you go out in the world and you encounter an actual body and personality and they're doing things really differently than you or maybe they're not as as open-minded or something, give them space. You know, in a way, it's just let them be the way they are because when you let someone else be the way they are, you also let yourself be the way you are. It's Mm -hmm. always both ways. Whatever you do for others, you do for yourself. And... um, that helps because then you don't have an immediate feeling that you have to protect yourself. If mm-hmm. you let those people come in too close and take it all personally, then either you feel you have to um, heal them, rescue them, or separate from them and get rid of them, get them out of your space, or you know something, change them or change yourself and you take on the pressure of all that and then, then oh boy, you know, and it's, then you're not being yourself. So the only way you can stay in the center of yourself and feel your, quote, home frequency, with um, the way, you know, the soul and the body vibration, is to um, give everybody some space and, and just watch them. Just, you know, be the observer and let them do their thing. And maybe you'd have observations about it. And maybe at a certain point you do have a feeling like, well, I, could, I feel like helping this person or I feel like at least offering some assistance or maybe it's advice or whatever I feel like doing, or maybe I don't feel like doing it and that's okay too. So So both of those ideas bring me then to the idea of trust because, (laughs) you know, if you can trust either moving in or moving out, that feels back to that soulful community of self, you know, And, and, and I think that that rhythm or that in and out or that space or that closeness that is the gauge that I can sometimes get tripped up by. That's when you the one. say moving in and out, which what do you mean exactly in terms of the people? Well, yeah, let's talk about it in terms of family. Like, you know, we're all triggered mostly by our family. And so if you're in a family situation, as an example, where you are feeling very um, pulled backwards, not able to be in that spherical spherical presence. The frequency is not feeling 
as much soul as it is ego and you're triggered. You're feeling that old pattern that is no longer serving you, but it's up, it's happening and it's overwhelming. Got it. Is the idea then to just take a time out and maybe that time out is for years or months or days or weeks? I mean, what what does one do to get back to the spiritual being when there is so little spirit within that relational pattern? I think one of the things is to realize that the things that are occurring inside your sphere have to do with ideas that you hold that are still fairly current for you. And they may be um, er- erroneous ideas. They may be partially perceived experiences you had in the past where you didn't see the God's eye view of something and you're, you got stuck in fear or contraction. Um, and so when you get around, let's say, a family member who's dominating or egotistical or ignores you and doesn't love you and doesn't pay any attention to you or whatever it is, um, what I've come to do is realize that when I'm in my home frequency and my sphere is like that, and I just stay there allowing things to be and watching what feels like it wants to happen, then I can let those people be that way. And then I can also notice when I get triggered, which is a good word in that case, um, because I get a contraction. Something Mm. in me automatically contracts before I even have a thought about what it is. Mm. And then I learn to notice that feeling state is not the feeling state I like to live in. That's not my preferred state. So, okay, why is it happening? So then I dialogue with myself. Okay, what is it about the core of what they believe that's causing them to act that way that overlaps with me in some fashion? You know, so maybe they're jealous of me. Maybe, you know, they think, how come you get to be free and we don't? We have to work for a living, you know, or whatever it is. Um, And it's because... You know, they just haven't allowed themselves to open up that much. Now, you may have a shadow part of yourself that is still trying to entitle yourself to be totally free. You know, and, and that shadow side may be why those people are acting that way. Is, is this making sense? Oh, it is. But it takes me then to the idea of what if there is out and out deception? What if there is um, something within that dynamic that, is almost like a karmic sin of sorts, then is it still the same notion of, I still want some sort of a tool that keeps me from getting hooked into the deception. Let's just say there's out and out deception between two people in a family and there isn't any way to deal with that because it isn't being handled Mm -hmm. equally from both polar opposite spaces. The only thing you can do is fix it in yourself. Okay. So that means, how am I deceiving myself? If deception's showing up in your in your ball, <laughs> you know, uh, then it's in you, or it wouldn't show up in your ball. Your mm. your soul is looking at the idea of what is deception, and why mm. does it occur, and why does it occur? Somebody's greedy. Somebody feels like they're not getting enough. Mm. Somebody feels unloved, uh, deprived, and they're going to take it then, you know, because nobody's giving it to them willingly. And that's what they believe. You know, so, um, so there may be some way that you or whoever it is, um, is deceiving themselves about who they are, 
how much they're entitled to have in life. Do you see? There's always yeah. a parallel. And it's not negative. It's it's just something like we get these ideas when we're, you know, in the womb, you know, in babyhood, when we don't have a brain, uh, you know, from past lives, things we've carried over. And they're largely unconscious until we start engaging with them in this particular dialoguing way, I think, and saying, well, how is this there? And what's underneath that behavior that causes it to be there? And would you say that within that understanding, there are certain relationships, family or otherwise, that just don't have the artistry of each person to make it a good combination? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that first thing is you fix the issue in yourself. Then possibly, because people in families overlap very strongly energetically and karmically, very possibly, if you re- release the pattern out of yourself and let it dissolve and vaporize into the back into the unified field, they can't feel it in you, and then they can't push on you and get a rise out of you, and then it won't be so much fun doing that game with you. They may then stop or change. Or they may be very attached to the, the behavior and keep on, and in that s- sense, then, you need to leave. Okay. Or they will drop away because they're at a low vibration compared with your higher vibration because you're becoming more loving and cleaner and more transparent. And they are still cluttered with a lot of fear and, um, you know, negative thinking and lots of contraction in their energy field. So their energy isn't flowing through from the soul. It's hitting a sieve. Do you know what I mean? It's like only certain parts of themselves can get through because of all the the negative thinking. So often what happens is they just drop away anyway. You don't have to make a big act about it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very helpful. Now I want to ask that in the same uh, realm, but with intimacy, with relationship that is intimate, sexual. Um, Do you see spherical intimacy that is successful well I think that if both people can practice being in spherical perception where they include each other as they are then there is a phenomenon that happens that I call it the relationship entity where you start to be able to perceive how the two of you actually are combining everything you know into one big pool of knowledge you know it's all your past lives all your everything you're you're about is like one big shared field of resourcefulness and so that when one person says something it you know pops out of their mouth it's coming not from them but from the relationship entity which includes the other person so then I start to realize hey wait a minute I'm partly talking to myself here when they're talking to me you know, and vice versa. You say something that just pops into your head, then they say, well, I must be saying this to myself as well. That kind of uh, dissolves a lot of the oppositionality that people get into um, so that they can understand that they're actually on a spiritual path together to learn how to cooperate and to listen to each other and to see that they're helping each other evolve, you know, through the patterns that they both embody. 
And I think that helps so much, you know. Um, you don't complete each other. You know, it's not the 50-50 thing. It's, it's that, and you know, you have this with anybody that you connect with, not just intimate relationships. Anybody. Does that I make al- sense? Yeah, but I almost feel like it's easier when the intimacy piece is not in the story. Like I, I think that connection and that, that understanding is so much more fluid when there is not the intimacy part of it. I think that intimacy part tends to um, pull up some sort of a vibration that is not as uh, malleable or peaceful. It, it, it's, and I wonder sometimes if yeah. it's literally the physical realm that is igniting something that is not as prevalent when it is just connection with other. I think it might be a matter of hormones as well, because I think once we get into reproductive years and, you know, we're sexually attracted, you know, and, and it's almost like automatic, you can't help yourself. And then I think there is something that goes on with sexual involvement. It's like there's some kind of possessiveness that goes on between the bodies. Almost, yeah. I don't know whether it's an instinctive thing where, you know, it's so that, You'll stay together and keep the offspring safe. Um, mm. But I think that there's this, we don't want to admit that that's true, but I think that we do feel possessive about the people that we sleep with. And, um, and it's very hard to be neutral, actually. Um, you can do that in your head, but I don't think you can do it really well in your body. So I do think sexuality sometimes does complicate things. But, you know, it's during those particular years and that that complication exists. And I think once you, you ease out of that a little and it's not that important to you, uh, you know, that you get a lot clearer. Yeah. And it may be why a lot of times on a spiritual path, people are celibate for periods of time. You know, yeah. you can, I remember having that in my early years and thinking, what's the matter with me? You know, but I actually liked being by myself <laughs> for yeah. a number of years, and then wanted to be back again in relationships. And um, but I learned an awful lot by being able to be quiet inside, and not have to try to please someone else, in order to prevent rejection. Do you know? Mm. Um, and and um, so yes, I mean, and then there's so many things you learn from trusting another person. I mean, it's. Yeah, it's both ways, I guess. Can you speak a little bit more about what you mean? The trust part, other yeah, person? When you're, when you're with another person, um, I think we're trying without really probably having known what we were doing, but we're trying to get out of the linear, which makes it you versus me, or we're trying to be the same, but we're not, and so why aren't you obeying me and why aren't you you know, pleasing me. And if you don't, then I have to get rid of you. And, uh, you know, that's a linear way of thinking about relationship matching. Um, when you allow the spherical thing to occur, the souls really do the connecting and you find people just occurring in your space. Mm. They come out of the field that is your life because it has a vibration and they are of the same vibration as the main things you're working on. 
So the clearer you get, the clearer the people in your life become. Yeah. If you're working on clearing certain issues, then you're going to get people who have those same issues. And that may look like you're butting heads. But again, if you go into that relationship entity state, you realize, oh, we can learn from each other about this issue. You know, and we get to, you know, solve it in double time. When you say pleasing other, that really sticks with me as an important um, idea to not try to do because I think it's in that pleasing that there is that loss of the spherical or that trusting of soul that is not necessarily about outcome or pleasing or saying yes so the other person feels lit up. It's about being authentic with who you are and then being trusting of whoever they are based on what that field is that you're in together. Right. When you're not in the center of your own ball, you project your mind into fantasies, into the future, into the past, but everywhere but the present moment. That causes linear perception. That causes separation. You can't feel yourself when you do that. The only way you can get guidance from your own soul and, your, and feel yourself as the soul is when you're in the center of your ball. <laughs> you know? and, um, and then when you are, you have no doubt about who you are. You're perfectly happy being yourself. You like yourself. You know, it's like a positive narcissism you know, that, <laughs> that's like childlike in nature. And... Um, and not separative. It's more like, I like myself and I like you. Mm. And, and then what happens is pleasing. You see, if you're coming from linear perception, pleasing is about fear of loss, fear of rejection. It's like a, a behavior you have to do in order to avoid something else unpleasant. But when you're in the center of your ball and in spherical perception, pleasing others is fun. It's, service is fun. You love to do things to make people happy. It makes you happy. Um, it's not for any reason. It's just because you feel like it, you know? Yeah. And, and we transform a lot of those old behaviors that were based on fear into their sort of more correct counterpart, which is when they're based on love and connection and unity, when you feel safe. And you don't have to have the other person agree with you in order to feel safe. You feel safe by being yourself, you see. Yeah. And then other people feel safe around you because you're authentic. Yeah. And they don't have to guess at who you are or what your secret hideaway stuff is that you're not telling them about, you know, that may surface later and destroy the relationship. Because you're just, you know, forthright and open and transparent and honest and you are what you show. And then what happens with other people at that point is they, they relax and then they feel like they can play and have fun with you, and then they become themselves. Oh, that's such a beautiful vision. You know, I just was getting in touch with one of the things that I find so frustrating is if someone says to me, are you okay? And I always find that a very odd (laughs) question because I, first of all, when someone asks that of me or will text me, are you okay, question mark, I think, wow, I, if I wasn't okay, then I would certainly say so. But by asking the question, it feels more like a what they're going through, not what they may perceive me to be going through. Mm. 
So when you just said that, I really got in touch with why that question feels so counterintuitive to me. Yeah. Um, you know, are yeah. you okay? Well, uh, yes or no. something's wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's almost it, like it comes out of a space of commiseration being the common ground. Yeah, exactly. Right, instead of celebration and um, creativity. Yeah. Well, I think one of the favorite, most adored things that I've ever considered that you speak about is that we are all works of art. And <laughs> that, to me, is so spectacular as an idea. And and then we think about art and what that beautiful image or experience or emotional um intuitive reaction may be to art which is each of us and sometimes it's not okay sometimes it is okay but there is a comfort either way when that authentic being is just being yeah i i there are a lot of artists that i don't totally resonate with their creations but i think it's interesting you know and so i think when i look at the products that they create i think well this says something about who they are inside what does it say about who they are inside what are they going through right now it's causing this to be you know the outshowing of of something internal and and then that bec- they become interesting the whole thing yeah. it's like i don't repel away from anything um but i go deeper into it you know and that always um i don't know it, it involves me totally you know yeah and I notice as I get older and I go to museums I am so much more affected by what I'm seeing whether I personally like it or not it evokes a feeling within me that is often exactly what I'm interested in exploring or noting or seeing within my own spherical soul that I'm getting through that art then when you speak of us as each being in that um works of art, people, we are works of art. It gives me more interest in just being whoever you are, whoever I am, and let's make that just what the moment includes, not the future, not the projection, not the going backwards. That, Mm -hmm. to me, is beautiful connection. It is, and it also has this aspect to it that each work of art, it's almost like a, a live video game or something. It's not just flat, you know, or a sculpture in t- set in time it's it's flexible fluid constantly changing interacting with what's around it and it ch- it takes in the the stimulation from the environment which is you also and it translates it into something moment by moment by moment you know and it constantly goes like that um, and i think that if we are mindful literally if we pay attention in the moment to how we translate the flow, which I think is the collective consciousness of all souls, really, evolving together. And the flow, to me, is very wise. It knows what everyone needs, kind of it works so synchronously with everyone. But if you trust that to bring you what you need, then engage with it and let it, you know, let yourself create with that or let it flow through you and become something, then you change. You look different. You know, you, you, know, you evolve as well. And um, I think that living work of art is <laughs> the coolest thing. <laughs> really is, cool. Penny, is that what you mean by sink and rise energetically? 
I think that, yes, I think we are all in these cycles of, um, part of this is about clearing ourselves. You know, that when you sink energetically, you go sort of down into the old programming, you know, down into the old perception of feeling separate and suffering and pain and um, being afraid of doing something because it'll turn out badly. And, and uh, then when you rise in energy, you come back to yourself. You remember mm-hmm. how life really works in the spiritual realm, which is what's trying to happen in the physical realm now. See, we're getting to such a high vibration because the planet is accelerating that we're able to see that the spiritual realm is actually inside the physical realm and always has been. When we were at a lower frequency, more separation, more linear, more fear, we thought earth and heaven were separate. You know, that it took a lot to get to heaven. Whereas now, because we're getting to the same vibration as heaven, it's here now too. And that's also what's very cool about personal transformation. You know, <sighs> that we're getting it, that the soul is in the body. Spirit is inside matter. There's light inside form. You know, we're starting to actually feel that and get that. You know, consciousness and energy are two sides of the same coin. If you increase consciousness, you increase energy and vice versa. Yeah, so that makes me want to take that idea into the whole concept of aging. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I just want to talk about aging with you because I find that 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 you just stated is a direct correlation with the beauty of aging, the experience of maturity, the heightened sense of soulful spherical awakening and awareness and intuitive beings that we are all learning are more and more um, needed and frequent in the moment. So now let's let's put that into the idea of aging and, mm-hmm. and what we can do with that idea and to, to really bust it open and give new language to it. It's funny that, you know, when in our early life, in our childhood, teens, 20s, and so forth, we don't think that we're aging. We are growing. <laughs> then we're maturing, right? And then we're aging. And um, really, if you just stopped with the labels on all of that, you would just be living, and at, I thought the other day, you know, I'm a, an eternal soul experimenting with what it feels like to be in my 60s now. And I'm, I can't believe I'm in my 60s. Like, how did that happen? But because um, I don't feel any different than I ever have. But, you know, I'm just, I'm seeing what that feels like. And I'm trying not to call it anything, do you know? I realized the other day that when you, when somebody says, I'm ageless, it really means that I'm all ages. So like if I'm with a five-year-old, I become five years old. And I hang around my mother's friends and they're in their 90s, you know, and then I understand what 90-year-olds are like. Like if you really are open and you, you are intuitive and you let yourself feel things, then you can kind of shapeshift into almost any reality, Do you know? And you don't lock yourself into some definition of what it means to be 60 or 50 or 40 or whatever. Um, and, uh, and, and I think that 
well, first of all, it keeps the soul coming through the body in a very fresh way and probably does let you live a much longer life. Or it may be that you, you decide that you'd like to die in an uh, airplane crash or something. And, you know, you say, okay, I'm going to do that this time around. Um, and you do that fully with full consciousness. I don't know. But, um, but, but I think we have a problem because we've divided our lives up into stages. And again, this is linear, isn't it? You know? Um, and, and it gives us a false experience of life. Well, that's why I love it when you speak of the diamond light energy that we all have, because when you use that vocabulary, it feels to me like all time is valuable time. And that if you're really into or tuned into your diamond light energy field, then each moment is valuable each decade, each year, each line on my face, each, Mm -hmm. you know, belly fat that I may or may not have. It all becomes so beautiful without the definition of 60s, 90s, (laughs) right? youth, not youthful, mid-age. I mean, we've, Mm -hmm. we've, we've created a language in our culture that is not fair to that diamond light energy field. That's so right, um, what you're saying. I, and I think that when you live in the present moment, in the center of your sphere, you're not aware of time so much. Time doesn't pass, because that's a linear thing, right? It's like a river passing you or something. You're just always you, eternally you. And, you know, whatever the body goes through, is it, it does. But you may find that... You don't get sick or you don't have um, degeneration as much when you're just channeling diamond light all the time. And who knows what will happen to our bodies as we become more enlightened, you know, full of light. Um, All time is valuable time. It is every moment is your opportunity to play with creation. Honestly, you know, bring the imaginal realm into form, see what shows up, enjoy it, have fun, let it go, do it again. You know, I think that's why we get to be here because we're having this experiment about three-dimensional creativity and what, what the soul feels like when it's in this, this slow realm. Well, you bring up a point about sickness, though, that's always interesting to me when someone does end up with some sort of horrific illness, but then they learn to accept it and will often say that they can't hold down their own light anymore, that they they mm-hmm. they are finally alive, and it was through that illness that they woke up. And I always think, let's all wake up before we become ill, physically, ideally, <laughs> Because that holding down that light, you know, a lot of people when they're in their 80s or 90s, you can see the light 
that they're choosing to dim down versus the person in their 80s or 90s who is so alive and so grateful for each day. And the artistry of that person is so much more interesting because they've made it into their 80s or 90s. And it is that that frequency shift, their thoughts, where they choose to focus, that is such a difference from someone who has just been, you know, become defeated within their own incarnation. (laughs) Very well said. Uh, I think the artistry does show in the later years. You know, I've been around a bunch of 90-year-olds who've been living their lives very interestingly. And, and then you think, when they die, you lose all that grounded experience that they know about, you know, and then somebody has to do it all over again. You know, it's, it's like mm-hmm. people are national treasures, you know, and the youth culture in this, in this country, or maybe in the world, I don't know, um, is just not respecting the learning process that happens over a lifetime to understand old people are not stupid. You know, they're much Mm. different than that. You know, now they may have emotional problems that they haven't cleared, but you know, you find the gems of those older people who have been really clearing themselves their whole life. And they're amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And then, and then aging becomes this, holy process that they bring to the foreground that we get to experience in their presence and what a different way to consider time marching on versus the egoic way that is so often projected in our culture you know how you can look in a baby's eyes and you see that diamond light just shining out there's nothing in the way (laughs) it's just so pure and I think when you if you've really lived a good life and you get into those older years the eyes do the same thing. You know, they're just eternal. And and there's not a lot of bias there, nothing covering it over. Hopefully, if, as you get older, you get rid of all the stuff that you brought in with you. <laughs> you know, clear yeah. your clutter and, you know, you have a conscious death. You yeah. just, like, shift out and and unencumbered. That's my idea of it anyway. Well, and my father lives that way. And I wanted to get him on my show, but he just felt too shy. But I wanted him to explore on air with people the 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 gateway that he has lived through optimism. I mean, he has mm. this this optimism and this sensuality of of life that is so hopeful and exciting. And being around him at times is more um it, it, it gives me more life force than youthful yeah. people. You yeah. know, it, it creates such an awakening in me that is that is sensory. It's, it's every part of my being awakened by his being. And mm-hmm. that's where when you were talking about when we're in these spherical ways and we're with other to allow that which you are pulled to and attracted to be also what is manifested within you. And that's what I get when I'm in his energy field. It just brings out the most potent part of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's in his mid-80s. And he's never mm-hmm. been more alive, more exciting, more creative, more awake, more... And, you know, he, he, he just reminds me of everything that is being in that spherical self. And there's no such feeling of age as we have yeah. defined it in our culture. Yeah. Um, 
it's something about, I want to say something about what I've called the inner perceiver, you know, that part of our mind that helps us notice what we notice. I'm not sure how that works, but it's the soul maybe focusing down into the mind. And um, so when you start to find these people like your father in your, your energy field, he's showing up in your field. You're noticing him as a kind of person. And that is reminding you of the way you like to be. You know, you're noticing him because you're showing that to yourself. And reminding yourself, this is what I'm doing. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, it brings back to what you said in the beginning of the show. It's a perfect circle to that idea of when you are living in that diamond light, everyone around you becomes a reflection of that. Yeah. And, and you know, when you see, like I just went to New York and met some of my clients that I've gotten to like over the years and then I got them connected with each other because I saw they had overlaps. So we had dinner and everybody, even somebody I didn't know that they brought, had overlaps with everybody else at the table. Mm. And it was like they were all on the same wavelength. And I was sitting there like a little proud mother hen. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like, wow, it's all coming together here. It's just, just what I would have been writing about, you know. <laughs> and it was like amazing, amazing. There were no um, no tight spots. Do you know what I mean? Just mm. flow, and everybody was happy. It was it was uh, you know almost like an, a thing that I think a lot of groups are going to get into being that way. A lot of relationships, a lot of groups are going to start sharing frequencies, and and then when you do, I think there's common work that's there for them to do. Like there, I had this feeling of. There being puzzle pieces falling together, you know, and that that something was going to come out of that. I couldn't tell yet what it was, but it didn't happen by accident. You know, Boy, it came out of the field. That is such a joyful idea. So did everybody that came together in New York, was it the first time that you all had all met face to face? Yes. Wow. <laughs> that is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and it was so comfortable. You know, nobody felt like a stranger. Uh, yeah, I I've never quite felt that in my life before, and um, just ah. So I, I'm just watching. You know, I'm going to see. Well, how does how's this want to play out, or how can you know things fall together like this again? And um, you know, I think it's kind of the wave of the future. Can you just say a little more about that with respect to groups and joy and comfort amongst each other? Yeah. Well, I mean, joy is the word that sticks out for me, and it has been for a couple of months now. I've been, I heard somebody, somebody on TV saying that his son was just a joy machine, like he just <laughs> ran on, on joy. And I started thinking, gee, do I do that ever? Do I? Do I? Mm-hmm. How would it feel if I were like that? Like every day, I joy was motivating me, and and that I always felt like that was my natural state. Um, and you know, I'm in it sometimes, but I'm not sure. But it, it feels to me like there's a sort of a feeling of delight. 
because when I say the word joy, I sometimes can't feel what that means because it's too general of a word, you know. But when I feel like I get delight in things, anything could be, oh, my plant is blooming or, you know, uh, that was a good dinner or whatever it was. Um, then I, I shift into joy. And I can, and if I notice it, then I can stay in it and kind of revel in it, bask in it. And it's just like a feeling, uh, it's an aspect of love, I think, actually. Hmm. You know? Um, that a feeling of appreciation, of uh, an amazement of how life is, you know, how beautiful or well-designed everything is and how it works. And, and you, you really do see things positively. And I think if you stay in that and can make that more and more of your home frequency or your field that you live within, then you get much more synchronicity um, great ideas popping through that are on that wavelength, you know, and then you get these meetings like I just had where that common vibe is, is the thing that brings everybody together. I don't know. And what do you feel about joy? I think that joy is where we, when we are in our home frequency and we are in our soulful embodied selves, I believe that there is no greater joy. And then just in line with what you're saying, then that becomes what you attract, what you are most comfortable around. And then out is the, there's the community. There is mm-hmm. that community that then grows out of that like a beautiful plant. Mm-hmm. And the satisfaction of that is utter joy to me when I feel that um, connection that is coming from that place then there is great harmony. And for me, a harmonious embodied moment is joyful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think also joy doesn't mean that you don't like to do physical tasks. <laughs> you know, it's not like you're just up in the clouds. You know, I can sweep my kitchen floor and feel, you know, a beauty and joy and shininess and, and I can make that into a joyful experience for me. And why not, you know, why not do that with everything I do? Just find some way to enjoy it and enjoy it, you know. Oh, absolutely. And that's that's the place I can find most easily by myself, but it is when I can feel it within community that it's like getting great food. It's a it's a feeding of, of self that is so worthwhile. But I often feel that cleaning, meditating, staring outside at a bird, um, listening to music, thinking of choreography for my body. Mm-hmm. Um, just yesterday, I cut a nectarine, and it was the first nectarine that was just amazing <laughs> in my mouth, and I was just ecstatic. I mean, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's great when you get along with yourself, you know, and then yeah. test, testing it out in the world is is the, the task that I'm, I'm really enjoying looking into. Um, Penny, we have to wind down. I want everyone listening to know. I know it feels like five seconds when we're on together. Um, (laughs) Let's go over all the ways people can find you. And also just to remind the listeners that Penny's name is spelled P-E-N-N-E-Y-P-E-I-R-C-E. And we've got pennypierce.com as a source. There's also uh, Facebook. What, where else can someone locate you? Oh, gosh. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, 
SoundCloud, YouTube, all those places. Perfect. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm going to do, I don't know if anybody's in Europe listening to this, but I'm going to be doing an intuition intensive in Copenhagen in August. And then my new book um, is going to be coming out October 10th of mm. 2017, and Gee. it's called Transparency, Seeing Through to Our Expanded Human Capacity. So that will be... Maybe the stuff of another show, Laura. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yes, and and one day I hope to be on a stage with you doing a live event. And That'll I just want that would be great. That would yeah, be so great. We're gonna do that. And uh, thank you, Penny. I I so appreciate you, and I always feel more grounded and in touch with the tagline of the show, which is that you complete you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you too. Thank you for listening to Feel Good Naked Radio with Laura Redmond. Please join us live again next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next show, be you and feel great in your own skin.